Do you know? Yes. I think you guys are like. Uh, yeah, I do know. Neck him. and neck of uh, same weight class, I think. Right, three weight. I don't think so. I thought he was lighter. No, he's. What's his handle? Uh, he's I'm, a kid, right? He's younger. Yeah, yeah, he's a kid, man. No, he's a badass. He's, yeah, he I'm doubled nine hundred in the cage. That guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's one of our, our sponsored athletes. Um, yeah, he's twenty five. He. Uh, so I think he competes more in wraps. You compete raw, right? Yeah, I don't. He might be three hundred eight now. He might be right. Yeah. Yeah, he's a freak. Yeah, he's tall. Like, he's, a, he's such a monster. Yeah, he's got those long arms, man. Yeah. Like he's just built designed to pull. Yeah. Bench, not so much, but he's definitely built the pool. Yeah, but he's got a lot of aggression that he puts in the bar. I don't know how those guys do it, to be honest. Yeah, he's another one. Uh, you were talking about lifting alone in your garage. He's another one. Uh, he basically lifts by himself. I think, like, the next strongest guy at the gym, he was saying, bench is, like, 300 pounds or something. So, it's just it's just him. Yeah. You know? But I think, like, uh, like, I've always lifted by myself. When I started um, – you know, there's photos of me like lifting with my dad at like four years old. We used to wake up at 5 a.m. and do like sit ups and push ups with him. Sure. Uh, and then as I got older, you know, we had a, a room dedicated with some old weights, you know, the old like concrete filled mm-hmm. ones. And, Plastic uh, concrete? Yeah. And, you know, the standard bars and uh, the real skinny benches. Um, but I used to just like go up there and lift on my own. So it took a lot for me to go to a gym and lift. I always thought it was like a weird environment. Yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't like it. So when we built this gym here, it just, uh, you know, brought me back to, like, the reason why I got started. And, like, it, it just, you know, that, that pure, like, solitude feeling. You put on your music. I hate lifting with headphones in, so I don't need to here. And we can just, you know, get at it. Yeah. I, I had the opposite experience. You know, I, I grew up flipping through bodybuilding mags and whatnot, you know, or, you know, muscle mag, whatever it was, muscle and fitness, you know, yeah. et cetera. But my first gym was experience was a, a racquetball club that had a basement gym. So it was dark, no windows, a couple lights. Yeah. You know, really like old school feel. You know, not a lot of people. Yeah. You know, all the equipment was rough, no names, no brands on any equipment. Was there other people like training there? Or yeah, was it a just few. you. Yeah. There was a couple. Not many. But I was the only kid. The other ones were old timers. Is this Florida that you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So my first like commercial gym was Planet Fitness. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, soon I realized that that didn't work. And uh, I ended up going to a local YMCA, and there was an old guy there, and he came up to me and goes, hey, you're kind of strong. Like you, could, you should consider powerlifting. And he showed me these old, like, black and white photos of him. Uh, he was a 181, and uh, mind you, he was, like, 80 at the time, and this was 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> but he showed me, like, black and white photos of him with 550 on the bar, uh, squatting it for reps, and he, was, he would talk about blowing bubbles because that's how easy it was for him. So we had a, a bubblegum bubble with 550 on his back and that was the photo and i was like damn this guy's strong so. that's, that's before his time before our time for sure right yeah it's before funny. it was cool we're kids and like we're like yeah strong you know we're doing dips and like all this other shit i had just deadlifted 500 pounds i thought i was a real badass and uh you know he he was near 80 years old and he kicked back 110s on incline and pushed them that's awesome it was it was insane like i just i'm like okay did he have any tricks of the trade or like what was the secret did you ever ask we asked him every question we could think of. You know, he ate three meals a day, and it was whatever his wife packed him for lunch, cooked yeah. him for breakfast, and cooked him for dinner. That's you know, a good he wife. Didn't, yeah, he didn't <laughs> different times. Uh, he didn't deviate Speak for from yourself. that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm trying. She's getting there. <laughs> um, That's a good woman. <laughs> so, 
he uh you know he he uh he worked a, a normal you know blue collar job his whole life yeah and uh you know he trained with his buddies like it wasn't there was no magic thing he was just fucking strong yeah and uh you know there's definitely people like that out there i think uh maybe people overcomplicate it now yeah they definitely overcomplicate it i think they're they're impatient they're entitled you know they want it now i mean i guess that's that goes without saying that's America, right? We want it now. We want it yesterday. Yeah, if we can get it but, on Amazon, right? Yeah, but I think a lot of times you find people that are strong or good at something, they kind of have a reason they're doing it. You know, it doesn't always relate to something specific, but they always have something, right, that kind of drives them. Yeah. You know, whether it's stress or whether they even know what it is, but it was always, like, my stress relief, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was always, like, I mean, you're a big guy. Uh, were you big as a kid? I was 240 at 5'8 as a freshman in high school. Yeah, you're a big kid. Yeah, so yeah. I was I was a chubby kid, a bigger kid. Yeah, I was tiny. So I was like, a year older, so like I I got held back in a grade, so I was a year older. I graduated at 19. Okay, eh, it's still yeah. in the range. Still big. Yeah, I uh, I was tiny, and that was my reason. Like, I didn't want to be tiny anymore. I graduated high school at 130 pounds. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was 17 years old, and I'm like, I'm just tired of being tiny. And, uh, you know, but, of course, like, the first thing I did was, like, start dieting. Like, what's the point of that? You know, I didn't understand that you just you just have to eat. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you know, eat your way all the way up. And, uh, you know, it took me probably two full years to actually understand that concept. You know, I wasn't going to get fat at 130 pounds. Um, yeah, so it's just... Well, know, it's conflicting the interest of goals. Right? Yeah. Like, what's, what's the ultimate goal? You know, people, I think, sometimes get confused and don't commit to it. You know, if it's strong, then... Yeah, sleep and, and nutrition or calories. Yeah, not even nutrition. Do you watch what you eat now? I do now. Dude. Since I moved here, I, I've been a lot better. And before I moved here, I guess for a few months I was a lot cleaner. But like, you don't count like calories. When I started powerlifting, shit, right? No, sir. But not even now. Do you count macros? Um, not really. No. No. But you eat healthier. Like. Yeah, I eat I eat steak and rice now for the most part, avocado, some veggies. You know, I have one salad a day, but that's because my wife. Before that, you know, when I started powerlifting, you know, I guess it's six, seven, six years ago now. Before that, I never followed. You just a pro- started six years ago. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. I never followed a program before that, and uh, I never tracked nutrition for the most part. I mean, I had learned to diet and done like in high school. I cut down one year. Okay. For wrestling, and I did Atkins, which is carnivore, now or yeah, no carb keto ish. Yeah. Keto, whatever yeah. you want to call it. all of these weird terms. Yeah. I think it's uh it's basically a high carb or a high protein keto. No, um, you still had replacement of fats, but yeah, essentially it's no carb, yeah. right? Whatever you want to call it. And uh, you know, I did that for one year because I was uh, I wrestled and I was always you know struggling to make two fifteens. At least in the beginning of the season, I struggled to make two fifteens. I played football and wrestled, you know. So I did that one year to cut down. Yeah, that's wild that you've only been doing this for six years. I hadn't deadlifted until I was thirty one. But we did power clean. So, like, way we in high school was power clean and bench. Yeah. Makes no sense. But yeah, we squatted for football and okay. did power cleans for football. I'm just trying to think, you know, six years in your uh, – you know, you have the, the world record right now for 308s in, uh, in like, a naked knee squat, sleeves. right? Sleeves. Yeah, sleeves. Yep. Sleeves. So, what they consider raw, right? Classic raws with wraps. What yeah. they consider raw, I have, have the record. Um, but it took me, like – I think four or five attempts, you know, over a couple of years to get it, you know. I so. mean, six years is still a short time frame. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, but I had a lifetime of lifting, you know. I I started high school lifting, you know, I probably lifted my whole life. I had a couple of years where I did it, where I just started, like, entering the workforce and whatnot. So what was, like, your strength levels when you started powerlifting? 
675 for a triple on, on squat. squat. I mean, that's still insane. Yeah. So if you and that was in a YMCA to a 12 inch box with a loose wrap. Yeah. A high bar, because I didn't know low bar. Yeah, you were just you know praying. Yeah. So high school, I think my best was like I, I could do four or five for five at 215. Okay, which is still pretty good for high school. A lot yeah, of kids are like uh, we had a guy, a one football player that bench 550. <laughs> Not yeah. my school, another school, but four or five wasn't big. Six hundred pound squat was pretty big, you know. Yeah. But I never really maxed, you know. We always did bigger, faster, stronger, or something. Yeah. Is that uh? Was that like the culture where you grew up? Like just ultra competitive, like everybody does football. Because I know the Midwest is just, you know. A little oh bit yeah, different. southern states. Um, as soon as you can walk, you play football. Oh, I forgot you grew up in Florida. I'm yeah. thinking Illinois still. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. I've been in the Midwest ever since I was 19. Okay. I went to college in Missouri, you know, uh, so I've been out here a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's definitely different here. Like, you don't see too many kids. You see a few here and there that are just, like, absolute monsters. But on the, the competitive nature, yeah. uh, I just feel like it's less than, really? it, than it is. Yeah. But I thought there was a lot of history for weightlifting here and strength sports. And wrestling such a big state. This is such a big state for wrestling, too. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, you don't see – young kids that are going in gyms that are just like units yeah you know that yeah are just you don't moving see those weight, corn fed you know. boys out here yeah and, and like <laughs> yo, you you know what's wild uh i don't know uh we we're talking about uh chris weist earlier i don't know if you see any of his training videos but like there's some other guys out in him. state college like nick smith i don't know if you see any of them guys that's a whole nother breed yeah. like once you start going out towards the sticks in pennsylvania you, know, you get a completely different culture and that's probably more similar to what you grew up with and what you're used to out in the midwest um, they're just ultra competitive. They don't care about weight classes. You know, they, they go into the gym, you know, when they train together and they just try to beat each other. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, the one time they, they put up a video and I think there was only one person that deadlifted less than 800 pounds. Like that, that's a good environment. Yeah, that's you know, that's going to do something for you. Yeah. So when, uh, when you started powerlifting, what programming did you, did you follow? I ran Brandon Lilly's cube method. Oh yeah. I ran that for uh, two, two cycles. So okay. two, there is a 10 week program. Yeah. It was you know, for what it was, it was great. You know, you only every week you only had one lift you actually pushed. Okay. It worked out fairly well. I ran it twice. They didn't meet. Yeah. So you you didn't even peak. You just ran that program. It is a peaking program. Okay. But it's a very spread out. I mean, you could really push it to whatever you wanted to. Yeah. It worked well because I had never really followed a regimen, so I would really go off a of feel, and you know, pick a lift for the, you know per week and kind of push it. Yeah. No, it's a it's a cool concept. Um, I feel like with powerlifting programs people are trying to follow whatever's hot right now like when i yeah. first started it was 531 um i've done 531 yeah and that was you know the original version and that's then weird, I, weirders right yeah J joe yeah jim jim, jim yeah um and then you know that was like the hottest program but the one i had the most success with was actually five by five uh just because i went from being like a noob to higher frequency mm -hmm. so i was squatting three times a week well guess what my squats are gonna go up like and then i started breaking down programming after running that and 531 i was like okay so i know like frequency works i know that you know a certain amount of time throughout the day um i'm sorry throughout the week uh you know rest time and stuff like all that matters if i was able to get this much stronger training three days a week you know maybe i don't need to train five six days a week sure and you, know, you just kind of put together the concepts and then you can build your own programs yeah what do you do now? Uh, my programs are very linear, very linear. Really? I, I do my own right now. I, I have for a few years, you know, off and on. I've, I've, I've also dabbled in with some coaches. You know, I worked with Dan Green when I first started. Okay. Lots of frequency, you know, yeah. lots of intensity. Um, I've worked with um, J. Hall Strong or Josh Bryant. Yeah. You know, 
I learned a lot for, with him too. Yeah, you know, a lot, of, a lot of probably um, GPP, which he doesn't call it that, but or you know your off season training. I learned a lot about off season training with Josh. And is that just like getting away from you know the the big three and becoming a better athlete? Um, maybe I, I think I I was kind of gifted that I was a pretty good athlete to start. You know, I, I, wrestling, you know, football. Um, I don't know from where, but mental toughness. Yeah. You know, I was, you know, I, I had failed a lot of lifts when I first started and, you know, I'd come back and miss it and then get it. My first time squatting nine, I missed it in the gym and then hit it the same session. This, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So, so maybe a mental barrier. Oh uh, yeah. You know, confidence. Once you touch it once, not much to be worried about. Right. You know, and that almost sounds weak, but same token, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in a belt. I can get about 100 pounds out of a belt. Can you? You know, guys get out of wraps. I have no no benefit from wraps. Really? Or not as much. I used know. to get 100 pounds out of wraps. That's that's what a lot of the good guys get. Yeah. Even big boys. You know, Lilybridge, you always think about him. And he's a solid 100 pounds. When, uh, when I squat without wraps, I don't use sleeves, um, but when I squat without wraps, my knees track forward a little bit, mm -hmm. and uh, I have much more quad engagement. When I squat with wraps, uh, I'm able to sit back further, use more of my posterior chain, and I, I think that that's the reason why I'm able to get so much more you know, out of the movement. It's just you know, maybe a little bit more folding involved, a little bit more sitting back, but yeah, I think you do a pretty good job with that without the wraps. Yeah, uh, range of motion. You know, everybody asks, what's my mobility? You know, how am I so mobile? And I got that in my notes. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, they hate my answers because I really don't train mobility, you know. and uh, But I did when I first started training, even before powerlifting, you know. Yeah. I realized, you know, I train with a bodybuilder. He's a good, good guy, good friend of mine, uh, Alex Medrano. He's a bodybuilder. He never ended up going pro, but he's crazy physique, crazy intensity. And uh, we trained out of YMCA in Marshall, Missouri, middle of nowhere, I think, town pop was like 12,000 yeah. during school, you know, it was a small school town. So, uh, you know, I noticed we didn't always, you know, stick to a depth. We weren't always real critical over form. And I started, I was like, man, that's wrong. You know, I was just more honest ab about it with myself and started squatting to a box. You can really see it's, it shows up in my squats a lot. Cause I'm a really slow to set. Yeah. You know, real cool, you know, sl slow, almost control. like you're looking for something. Yeah. Right. Right. And, okay. and that's how I got my depth down. Well, when I first started, I couldn't squat the 12 inch box. You know, I had to put a plate or two on it. Yeah. You know, they take a plate away and so on. Right. But it wasn't fast. It was months and months and years. You know, it's funny that you bring that up. Um, when the whole mobility thing started coming out and uh, do you know Kelly Sturette, the guy that uh, does like uh uh, I think he's the guy behind like Ramwad or Mobility Watt or something. He changed his name, didn't he? Uh, Either way, uh, yes. Yeah. I do know him. He's a good guy. So, uh, yeah, and he's done some really innovative stuff as far as like mobility and rehab and all that has, has come. Um, but I remember watch, uh, seeing like the comments when it first started coming out. And uh, I forget the name of the guy, but he was an old school bodybuilder. And he goes, what the fuck is mobility? He goes, we just used to do the movements right. And, uh, and he goes, that was our mobility is, mm -hmm. you know, you warm up and you do the movements the right way and you don't need to do all this extra stuff, right. you know, and that goes right with what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, it takes a little level of, of um, honesty with yourself though, right? Yeah. To get full range of motion, you know, to really push it after you're warm and things of that nature. I, I also don't think people know what it's like to be warm, right? Or, or how to get there is, you know, I don't know how you are when you squat, but if somebody is a 400 pound squatter, they want to go one plate, two plate, three plate, four. And maybe their body, you know, especially as they get older, maybe they need more than just that. Yeah, it's right? all wrong. 
I, I I didn't. I want to give a guy a shout out that I started working with in my like mid career. It kind of took me over the nines. Uh, his name is Michael Schroeder. He's a strength conditioning coach for Penn State. Oh yeah, yeah. That's where I graduated from. Really? Yeah. He's a really good guy. Well, he, we we spent a lot of time on warm up. And not mobility, but some movements that were were kind of, you know, addressing some of the pains I was suffering from at the time. And uh, I still use his room up or variation of his warm-up routine. Okay. And I don't touch a bar until I had a full sweat. You know, full sweat. So. It, it's, again, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, do you know who Jason, Jason Arntz is? Uh, he's a pro bodybuilder. Uh, he's retired now, but he used to compete in 212s. And uh, we trained one day in here and – you know, he, he spent a lot of time warming up and, uh, you know, the, the guy like was just messing around and he likes like, I guess like MMA type stuff. And he threw like a high kick just messing around. And I was like, Holy shit, this guy's really mobile. And, uh, you know, he's talking about all the different things he does to get warm and get a sweat going and everything before he wants to hit the weights hard. And, uh, you know, ever since that day, I've changed the way that I approach it and, you know, knock on wood, I haven't had any injuries. I feel good. And I feel like I recover better. Um, so, you know, there's obviously something to that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, when you're squatting, I was actually showing uh, one of our employees. Uh, he's he's into bodybuilding. He's not really into powerlifting at all. And uh, I was showing him your squat today. Uh, I think it was – I guess your most recent one. Was that 875? Uh, 845. 845? Yeah, uh, I, I held back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it looked really good. Um, but I showed him that, and he goes, how does that guy squat like that? And uh, one thing I noticed when you squat is, like, your descent all the way to parallel is pretty normal. And then you almost, like, open your hips. Mm-hmm. And then when you co- go to come up, and you go super low, which is obviously the reason why your legs are so developed. Um, and then you your hips almost come back open and propel you up. Mm-hmm. Is that a technique that you intentionally, like, implemented? Or did your body oh, just start doing that? Uh, it's something I think I always naturally kind of did. But the knees out cue came from a lot of gear guys I, I worked with in Omaha. Yeah. Um, so, like, knees out exaggeration came. And, like, I actually had brought my, my squat in since then. But have you ever watched a baby squat or play on the floor with toys? Yeah. Seriously? Have I watched one? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah I got a bunch so, of nieces and nephews. So, so yeah. they, sit, they, they swing between the knees. Their hips are th- between the late knees. Yeah. And they can sit in a third world country or, like, ass to grass squat, just sitting there playing, squatting. Yeah. Neutral spine. Right? Their knees are open. Their hips are open. So that's that's what the only thing I can really use to relate is that, to me, that's, like, the most natural position to be. And if my knees extend out over my toes or outside my heels even, when they realign, when they cave naturally, and I engage more mass, now they're in line and there's, all my joints are stacked. So when I started training, I always wanted to be able to drive a stake between my shoulder, my kneecap, my kneecap, and through my heel or my midfoot. Yeah. Right? And that's where they, it realigns to. And ironically, like, these guys that squat, like, nuts on, you know, dead to parallel or in wraps, like, they're just, they're so fast. Like, if you slowed it down, like, did they hit that? Because yeah. it, was, it was so fast. But either way, like, to that point, I am so weak. I have no strength there. Like, I have to bury it to get that stretch reflex, that recoil. That's wild. So squatting that deep is beneficial to you, whereas for most people it would kind of hinder, you know, what yeah, they're but, capable of doing. You know, the hip drive and, and the amount of mass that you can engage. You know, I'm not real posterior chain dominant. I, my ass is small, you know. But when I know when I spread the floor and I get all everything tight that I can, it's it's like it's empty bar. When you squat, do you feel it solely in your legs? Like, can you actually feel the, like the muscles contracting and taking the weight? It really depends on where I'm at in training, how fresh I am, and like what I'm supplementing with, you know. You know, like me day, I usually don't feel much because I'm so bloated. I'm yeah. so like recomped up. 
I'm running so much creatine. I'm I'm running glycerin. You know, I have so much stuff to, to keep my keep my body weight up. Yeah. But last night, my 8:45, I didn't really feel much, but I was much more fresh than I had been. Okay. Right. Like I was. I think I pushed it like nine days between squats. Yeah. That makes sense. I was just gonna ask you, like, what's your frequency right mm-hmm. right now? Have you been a nine day gap between squats your whole prep? No, seven. Seven. Seven, okay. and sometimes so a twice a week, because I I squat to dead. I warm up to deadlift. I squat first. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people do that. Yeah. Uh, it's another thing that seems to make sense. It does. Do you have a different variation? Like, do you safety bar squat? Or is I it use all... some kind of high bar safety bar or camber bar. Because there's more quad activation. Mm-hmm. And I used to recover with front squats, but now I warm up with with them sometimes. Okay. Can are you cross? You can't fit the, the rack. I can't rack. Right? I just yeah. cross. Okay. Yeah, I'm just really say, trying to control. That might be your most impressive thing if you're this big and you can get in that front rack position. No, I'll do like a zombie <laughs> squat or I'll cross. And I'm really just trying to keep the bar from rolling. Yeah. When uh, when you squat, another thing I notice is like I was going through all your even like older videos, yeah. and uh, one thing I'm a big proponent of is strengthening you know the muscle going down the spine mm-hmm. uh when i watch a lot of people squat especially if they're starting to hit reps you know what happens is their upper body may cave just a little bit right and it, then their hips pop and then their whole body rounds and it happens almost to everybody mm-hmm. your back doesn't move it doesn't move at all it's almost in a pre-rounded I, i've been looking at it i've gotten so big and thick up top like i think i always kind of do this and you'll see it somebody when they first start to learn low bar they start to round the thoracic too much to try and feel a good rack a low yeah. bar should never feel good on an on rack if it does it's not in the right place and you're not tight yeah. it should almost feel like it's going to drop off you what would you do to, to build up that you know the spine muscles to be able to stay uh, that straight? i don't i don't think i really did anything besides make sure I'm, I'm tight and i braced you know and and really um mark ripto teaches like hip drive mm-hmm. and he thinks of like if you read starting strength like pulling a string from the top of the hip even though you're in a full cave, well, not a cave, I shouldn't say cave, but your hip your hip angle is tighter than your knee angle, right? Yeah. You know, so you think of moment arm and levers. You know, you're driving from the hips up, right? And, you know, so that naturally, that's something I always did. I just didn't know any better. Yeah. And it was lucky enough that I fell into that position. But that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to drive hips through that range of motion. So maybe uh, the ability and the strength that your back gained over time was just from you getting stronger over time. and it Time under tension. Yeah. So there's one thing about a squat. You improve your squat, every lift will go up, especially as a novice or beginner. Do you listen to Donnie Thompson at all? And not for a long time. Uh, I used to a little bit. I, I really stayed away from the gear guys, but they still have a lot of knowledge because they've been in the game so damn long. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. I think he broke the 3,000-pound barrier he's in his 40s yeah i think it was late 40s still. i mean that's so being the age i am now that's a feat in itself yeah you know nick best yeah phenomenal guy <laughs> and he's 50 yeah and he's still crushing it yep you yeah. know i but donnie always talks about like if you want to build your deadlift squat and he, he thinks that the the deadlift is, is such a high risk movement that it's not worth doing all the time and training all the time because ultimately you're not going to get that much better at it by doing it right um so, which makes sense, especially if you low bar. If you look at the mechanics of a low bar squat and a conventional deadlift, they're almost the same. They're similar, a lot lower. I think I think there's more to be said about high bar. Um, it just depends on your body or your build, right? Like, it, there's one thing that's um, you know, will limit you on getting bigger on your squat and be able to deadlift is width and like girth. Because at some point, um, early Lily Bridge and I were senior, we're having a discussion one time. It was like. Yeah, you know, I used to pull eight, and I got, like, to that weight and my width where I couldn't get that extension that open. I couldn't open up. I I made the pull 
so much longer because my arms are so much shorter. My hands are so much fatter, right? Yeah. So my problem with deadlift has always been grip. You know, I've always, like, my first me, I think I yanked 700 off the ground, but I didn't, I couldn't hold on to it, right? Yeah. You know, squats, no matter what, getting back to squat, it will improve your lifts, you know? Yeah. What do you, uh, what do you do for training deadlifts? Um, you know, I do a little bit of everything, or I've tried everything. Right now, still, it's just, I always struggle with the grip, you know? Okay. I, I like block pulls. Um, I don't know what you think of block pulls or in deficits. You know, I think the, the opposite, and I got it from Dan Green. You know, block pulls is to break contact, and then uh, deficits will work on lockout. You know, so I've always struggled with lockout and grip. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i very anti-deficit deadlifts. Yeah? Yeah, and uh, cambered bar benches. Anything that overloads the range of motion, mm-hmm. I think it increases risk. Uh, so I think, for, I mean, obviously you know what you're doing. You've been, you know, yeah. assessing what you've done for years and kind of revising it and implementing things. But I think for the, the normal person, uh, I just think it's way too high risk and they end up going too heavy, you know, throwing themselves out of, uh, out of balance with their form. And it just, that's where a lot of injuries occur. I destroyed my back in 2014 on a deficit deadlift and, uh, you know, a buddy of mine, uh, that we had on an earlier podcast, he, uh, tore his pec on a, uh, cambered bar bench. And it was from the overloading of the, you know, the range of motion that did it uh, mm-hmm. for both of us. So I, I think obviously proper implementation is really important. But for me, like, I, you know, risk and reward just isn't there for me. Yeah, I mean, it's something that should be treated with a grain of salt too, right? Yeah. I mean, the the increased range of motion is usually going to benefit you, but again, it's not an overload movement. Right. Right. It's going to be a submaximal effort where you're really just kind of building a base. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know intention. the deficits. I don't do a lot. I think deadlift. If you're speaking about deadlift, it really should be something like a lot of guys. I think it was Dan Green that said, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll push it every two weeks because that way I know, like, you never know what the repercussions are going to be and like how much it's going to take to recover. You know, so again, I reduce the amount of exposure to the risk, and I can be fresher on the movement, and yeah. I can get more from the the session. No, it makes complete sense. Yeah. Do you uh, because you have grip problems? Do you ever train with like a regular bar, or a stiff bar? Instead yeah, of a ironically, bar. I get a little bit, I do a little bit better with a stiff bar because um, I, either it's something to do with the slack yeah. and being quad dominant. I can break contact. And for some reason, I sometimes can hold on to a good, newer, gnarling of a, of a stiff bar. Yeah. You know, my last heavy deadlift this session was a stiff bar because it was out and I was, I was like, whatever, I'll just roll with it. And my last heavy dead was a stiff bar this time. Do you ever use like straps or anything, or do you think that pro, you know kind of goes against what you're trying to do? Straps are good for um, ped lays or dead stop rows and and overload. You know, but other than that, I really didn't use them a whole lot. You stay away from. Yeah, yeah, I stayed away from my whole life. You know, I was very anti using them. And uh, when I was powerlifting in college, like my forearms were almost as big as my biceps because <laughs> as a powerlifter, I never trained arms. And, uh, you know, my grip was insane. Uh, you know, I used to row, you know, 315 underhand and with just some chalk, and that was good. Um, but, yeah, are you doing any, uh, you know, like, do you have any, like, specific accessory work that you're doing right now? Not besides warm-up stuff. Um, you know, of course, I have some favorite stuff I like to do. I always throw shoulders in because well, who doesn't need bigger shoulders? But, you know, <laughs> getting back to more functional things. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it was Matt Winning I picked up, up, up off of as far as, like, um, potentiation, right? And just over-exaggerating warm-up. So it shouldn't feel like work. I also, Mike Schaefer, or Shorter, did the same thing. As far as I, my warm-up, you know, I'll do three sets of pull-downs for 50, 
you know, I'll do things of that nature more so than focusing on my accessories. A lot of times you see guys that will like half ass their working sets and then really smoke themselves on accessories. And really it's like, um, oh, I hate to beat up on anyone or anything like that, but it's really the, the, the weaker kind of approach because the, the, my reward and my money and my time and energy should really go to my working sets. Right. And everything after that is kind of gravy. You know, it has off season places, but in, in prep, I could peak with just the three movements. Again, I'm going to keep saying, funny you say that. Uh, <laughs> because when, when I was at my, my biggest, which, again, I'm a small guy compared to you, um, but when I was at my biggest and strongest, I did squats twice a week. I deadlifted once to twice a week. Um, I would do barbell rows once a week, back extensions, and I would bench. That was it. I mean, nothing more. You know, some days it would take me two hours to get to my top squat. Yeah. And that's just – I used to compete in single ply, so obviously the, the time of getting the gear on and all that stuff is sure. a little bit different. Um, but I just never – I never needed anymore. And I continued to get stronger. And if I would have done college for another year, I would have continued to get stronger then. Right. Um, so it's just uh, – again, I think people want to overcomplicate it. I think that – All know, the time. The online coaches and everybody, they, they want you to be confused, so you need them to, mm -hmm. to help. Um, but again, you know, f five by five, I went from squatting 315 for five to 405 for five mm -hmm. in, I think it was a nine or a 12 week program. So if it, it, it just taught me that do more of the simple stuff and yep. you know, everything will come together. Yeah. People said, I hate to keep name dropping because I just don't want to take credit for things I've learned from people. Right. But you know, if I get really, if I do, if I say I add board presses, really, you're kind of getting good at board presses. You know what I mean? You know? So you got to be careful on what you implement for accessory, right? Yeah. And what you really move. You know, people that do like ME or like things like that nature. I don't know enough about Westside to even talk about it. But I do know that they will push like alternative bar for like a max effort day, right? You know, it has a place. And I think that place is probably going to be time under tension and overload, right? Those are the things that benefit you. And it sounds like when you simplified it, you were kind of getting more of an overload in some yeah. way, shape, or form. Maybe not intensity, but like you said, frequency. Yeah. Uh, when I, when I was coaching Penn State powerlifting, I took, uh, like a handful of guys and we actually went out to West side for the day mm -hmm. and we got breakfast with Louie at the Bob Evans that he takes everybody to. And, you know, it was a good time. He, really nice guy. I think people, you know, especially now that the documentary's out, you know, they might think he's like maybe a mean guy or something. He's one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Um, but we're, we're out there and we're talking and he, he tells a story and I'm sure he tells it to everybody, but he tells us a story about the guy that came out for the day, uh, to board press. And, you know, he, he comes back a year later and he goes, hey, you know, I don't think your program works. I've been board pressing and, uh, you know, I, I haven't gone any, gotten any better at it. And he goes, idiot, that's what we were doing one day. Like, we're not <laughs> doing that every single day. So mm -hmm. the guy got good at board pressing and his bench didn't move. Um, do you implement a lot of variety? On benches? Just in general, like with your training? Uh, like yeah, I've done a lot, actually. Uh, you know, I've, I ran a whole cycle. Um, when I tore my bicep, uh, I, I wish I knew the year off the top of my head, but it would be my second year in powerlifting, or actually my first year in powerlifting, I tore my bicep. So I did five meets a year. So Jesus I started Christ. I started the year, my first meet at 1901. I ended the year at 2105. That's crazy. Right? So my fourth meet of the year, I didn't cut, hit 2105, and I tried to duplicate it four weeks later with a cut, and I tore my bicep on my second deadlift at 727. Well, you know, during that time, you know, after recovering from that bicep tear, I was not going to quit lifting. You know, I was kind of not my peak, but I, I enjoyed it. You know, I, I kind of wanted to prove that, 
there's a lot of excuses out there. Yeah. So three days after surgery, I started a safety squat bar squatting and I did a whole peak with nothing but safety squat bar. And I still broke, I went and did a beat and still (laughs) broke two grand. And I did that without any benching, you know, in a a gimp arm. Yeah. And I, I hit a PR squat my first time squatting for four keys. So 400 kilos, 81. I did that bare knee. I did it in chucks and I still broke two grand. I think I opened at 405 deadlift because I haven't deadlifted the whole peak. And then I think I jumped 500 and went 600. You know, just yeah. enough to get my two grand. Yeah, that's but wild. I, I barely missed 501 on that meet. And my best bench is 534. And I only did that once. And um, it took me that first year I did get to 501. But I never really did much better than that. On bench? On bench. I think we all have like one lift. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's deadlifting. I, I can't deadlift. But I had a pretty good bench and a pretty good squat. Um, but, you know, even uh, even now, I think people were ragging on that uh, Jamal guy that deadlifts like a grand. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were ragging on him for the longest time for not having, I think, a good squatter bench, and he was just a deadlift-only type guy. And uh, now I think he has a pretty good squat as well. He does. Um, you know, so it's cool to see people progress, but everybody has, like, one lagging lift for sure. Mm-hmm. But are you, There's some uh, triple threats out there. Yeah. I feel like they're they're hard to come by, though. Like, it's not as often. Uh, some of these young bucks coming up are – I hate to say young bucks, but they're just, there's some freaks out there. They're going to put us all to shame. You know, we used to say, uh, when we we're at Penn State powerlifting, we used to say that like we were the, the sports rejects, right? <laughs> it's like we're, we weren't good enough. We weren't genetically gifted. We didn't have the talent to ever make it in like football, basketball, wrestling, you know, whatever it was. So, you know, we still had the competitive nature in us. So let's go lift some weights and have some fun and, you know, drink beer on the weekends together. And, um, but we only said like we're going to be doomed when real athletes start powerlifting. <laughs> like if, if you were to, you know, assume that, you know, you get this extremely competitive, you know, wrestler and he would go to a D1 school all day, you know, you take that guy and just take that attitude, that work ethic, and you put that genetic gift in powerlifting, he would smoke us. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not you because you're at the, you know, the top. But for, for us that were in the, you know, the average range, um, you know, you take somebody like that, it's just game over. So, yeah, they come in, they, they have a, whether it's different mentality or they just have a better base, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think we're, we're starting to see that now in the sport, and that's why it's changing so much. And, you know, I feel like records are falling every day, uh, even though there's 900 federations, so there's, you know, 2,000 Yeah, records. but all times aren't. Yeah. You know, yeah. all times are falling every day. People still argue them, you know, yeah. left and right, which is, is just crazy. But, yeah, we uh, – so how does your all-time world records in 308s? Yeah. Okay, all right. So it's so, in three weight sleeves. So then Ray has the all time in super heavies. Yep. Okay. Yeah. We sponsored Ray for a couple of years. Did you? Yeah. Oh, that's Actually, awesome. I think yesterday was his birthday. Happy birthday, Ray. He's not watching. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I've only met him once, so I don't know him that well, but he's a phenomenal guy to watch. You know, he's, 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 he's something else. Yeah. I, I still love the story of, uh, we went down to, uh, Maryland, uh, DC to, uh, to watch him compete in the USAPL regional meet. And uh, he took his shirt off at the end of the meet and was just, like, walking around. Like, I thought he was going to be fat. He wasn't fat at all. I was no, just like, solid. this is the most intimidating guy I've ever seen. Because he's probably, Monster. like, 6'1", 6'2". You know, he's, I think he was 385 at the time. And he still had, like, a chest split. I'm like, what the hell is this guy? Yeah, he's just a monster. Different breed. Yeah. Um, or how about some of the, the, the bench guys right now? You know, Julius Maddox. Yeah. It's just un, uncomprehendable strength. You know, it, I don't know some of these guys, but like the IPF guys that are coming over, you know, John Hack, you know, have you seen some of his lists lately? I mean, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to hurt feelings. 
know, he's going to do some crazy stuff in the yeah. next weekend, you know? Just, I think he's a perfect example of what we were talking about before we got started, of uh, people that – about how much, like, strength is a mental barrier. Um, because he doesn't have the physical attributes where you'd be like, holy shit, like, that guy's probably really strong. You know, I, I think if we're thinking about the right guy, I think if you walk by him, you, know, you really wouldn't think much of him. No, he can walk uh, by on the street, and, and you don't realize he has enough strength to hurt you. Yeah, <laughs> he's just and, crazy strong. You know, he's he's um, I wouldn't say average build, but his size would be an average build. You know, he's a bigger yeah. guy, but he's not huge. You know, he's competing at two hundred pounds still, right? Yeah, I think you so. Know? Yeah, his strength is, is is something I haven't seen. You know. Yeah. And he's been out a long time too. Don't take any credit. He he's grinded for a long time. Well, he was in the USAPL forever, right? Yeah, and yeah. and his lifts didn't start out like crazy. I mean, he's always been strong. Don't get me wrong, but he's earned it. I mean, do you think that there's like uh, a good balance in, in somebody who starts out in the USAPL and starts out training that way, and then you know maybe commits over to the dark side? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if if I would have started younger, I would have been USAPL. Yeah, no problem. You know. I just didn't. I didn't compete when I was younger, and it you know it wasn't something that I'd, I was exposed to. Yeah. I only started powerlifting because a, um, a buddy of mine at the YMCA said you got to do meat. Yeah. Like you're strong. He was you a one. He was a one sixty five er. He wrestled for the same college as me, not not the same time, but we were friends from the, the weight room, you know, from the YMCA, and and John Girlholder his name. And he's like, you got to do meat. And my first meet was with him. Yeah. You know, I would have never. I I don't know if I would have jumped over because I was at the time I was. Working like crazy, you know, had a family, and I was doing a little bit of fighting at the time, but nothing that was going to go anywhere. Yeah, I think it's largely misconceived that you need to take shit to be strong. Um, when I was competing in the USAPL, uh, there was a guy there. Well, uh, there was a few guys, but uh, one was Joe Capolino. I don't know if you know who that is. I, uh, it, it sounds familiar, but I don't know off the top of my head. I think he was 21 when he competed, and again, we are in single ply. Uh, he was a super heavy but he squatted 848, and he also pulled over 800s. I mean, we're all kids. And, uh, you know, whether you're natty or not, it's, it's definitely a drug-tested federation. Yeah. And uh, I just – I'm such a big believer on building up that base, uh, you know, long before, you know, any type of enhancements or anything are ever, you know, even thought about. Yeah, and I think there's it goes without saying that, you know, at those at those years, those years of age, you know, your T-levels, your test levels are at the highest they're going to be naturally, right? Yeah. So – to be fair to you know everybody that competes and because I love the sport, you know your test level have to have to be at a healthy level, right? So like if you're an older <laughs> guy, like y- there's a place for them, and and that's t- to compete in any other federation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I just see like a, a mistake with a lot of people. You know, if they see somebody in their and. PEDs are so openly talked about now. Yeah. So if they see, you know, the, the Boston Lloyd of powerlifting, you're talking about, oh, you got to take this, this, and this to do this. And uh, so then they, they think that that's the route to get there, right? right. That's the missing piece in sure. getting there. That's you know, They, they yeah. don't realize that, you know, the guy that they're watching bench 600 pounds also benched 525 natty, and he did that at 19. Yeah. Like, they, they don't see that. All they think is, you know, I'm benching 200, and this guy benches 600, and, and that's the only missing piece, and I'm going to get there. Yeah, and uh, social media. Yeah, right. I mean, you're gonna see it and want it now. Yeah, and that's that's unfortunate, you know, because with hard work comes great things. Yeah, you know, that doesn't happen overnight. You yeah. know, I always, you know, all that stuff was cheating growing up. You know, it was it was, it was an easy route. It was yeah. a weak mind way to go. But then again, you know, I was young and had had all I needed. You know, you know, playing sports. You know, so it's a different. 
Yeah, it, yeah. There's a time and a place for things, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, I saw on Instagram a while back uh, that you were starting to train your son in, yeah. in the powerlifting and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm just curious, like knowing what you know now, like how are you implementing that in training somebody who's not fully developed yet? Um, you know, fully developed, developed like injury risk. No, like I mean, he's just not an adult yet. Oh, so I, like training I, I, a kid is definitely yeah. different than training an adult. Yeah, he's been training since he was ten. Okay. You know, so he he has better. I put his form against almost anyone. Yeah. You know, and for him, it really you know it's it's if he wants to. You know, I try not to burn him out. So that's the biggest thing about any sport is that you know when he wrestled and you know started wrestling, we, we I didn't want to burn him out. You know, right. So I didn't push him too hard. I think there's a there's a time and a place for that, and they have, to, you know, children have to want it to be all in because. You know, the only time I ever got hurt or, you know, or had something bad happen was when, like, either I was so fatigued or I didn't give it my all, right? So they have to be able to want to give their all, right? Yeah. And so I just try and keep them from burning out, and I try and keep them to some kind of regimen. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it correctly. You know, if we're going to fail, we're going to fail in position. How old is he now? Yeah, he's going to be 16 this month. Okay. Yeah, I remember um, when you first started posting videos, like, you know, young kids, they, they always look like a – like baby deer you yeah. know what i mean well like with their limbs they don't have yeah. full control and everything um but you know from a bodybuilding standpoint uh we sponsor this one kid who's been bodybuilding since he was 13 right so people are always like oh my god you must be taking so much stuff because the way he looks and he's like no i've been showing up since i was 13 yeah and uh you know his dad was a bodybuilder his brother's a bodybuilder and uh you know he has crazy like grown man muscle development and he's 19 years old Sure. Like it, it's just wild to watch, and I think with strength, you know, the the accumulation of, of increased weights over time, you know, it, it can be the same thing if he wants it to be. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It, it's really he writes his own ticket to whatever kind of strength potential he wants to fulfill. Yeah. Has he done any meets? He did one exhibition meet when he was like twelve or thirteen, I think. <laughs> so young. Yeah. You know, he might have even been eleven. I think he yeah. might have been too young to compete, and we just had him do do the three lifts. Okay. You know, and we, he didn't really push it too hard. But did, he did single in, you know, did the commands and everything. Is he doing it now? Like, no, he, no, he hasn't. We haven't really talked about it. Right now, it's just for a sport. I want him to focus on sport as a means to get better at your sport. Right. And so he's pretty competitive in wrestling. Like, that's what he wants to do. Yeah, he, he, he seems to, you know. he, he uh, Last season was a tough season. He varsity lettered um, as a freshman last year in that's Illinois. Big deal. Yeah. yeah, you know. So, yeah, I, I think he uh, he learned a lot, you know. It, it's, it's hard to... It's so hard to watch at times, you know? Yeah. Uh, I didn't have a, a ton of family support when I wrestled, and it was kind of like I was proving it to myself. And I was on a, a less than, you know, kind of a average, no, less than average team. You know, I started as a freshman because we didn't have anyone else. Yeah. You know, so I got a lot of exposure really quick and a lot of testing. You know, I got tested quickly. Yeah. And uh, I I think uh, I think this is going to be an exciting year as long as we have wrestling. So I think yeah. he's going to do big things. That's a competitive state, too, for wrestling, isn't it? New Jersey? Oh, he's he's in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you were talking about Illinois, so I just assumed we that just moved here from Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Right. Last year we were in Illinois. Okay, this year we'll be New Jersey. New Jersey is a tougher state, so New Jersey, California, and New York have a true state champ. Okay, there might be other states, but I know those for sure. So, whereas every other state has divisions of size of your school, okay, those three states do not. So, any state champ from those states is usually going to be like an entry level college wrestler or yeah. you know national level wrestler. Yeah, I feel like uh, with a good wrestling background, I feel like you can do a lot. Like if he wants to get into MMA when he's older, and, yeah, you know, the that kind of fighting. You know, you did you do that? Yeah, I was eight and one as an amateur. Yeah, yeah. 
So that's what you did before powerlifting? I did. Okay. Yeah, I did for a little bit. No stories there? Oh, there's a ton of stories. A lot of stupid ones. <laughs> you know, I think I, at my first fight, I had, you know, weeks of striking. And I was a wrestler, so wrestlers go towards, you know, they go towards power, you yeah. know, advance. You know, you go towards aggression. And I took a lot of shots I didn't need to take because of inexperience. Yeah. You know, I would end up, you know, taking two to three serious hits to get get a takedown, and then I'd grind, up, grind them out or submit them, right? You know, a lot, a lot of fun, but I ultimately quit because I'm, I'm legally blind in the eye, and I was having to cheat to fight, you know, or, like, fake eye exams. Oh. So, yeah. to go pro, you have to be 20-60 in both eyes without correction. Oh. I'm 2200 or 2225 in my red eye. I didn't know that about about sight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because if you damage one eye in a fight, maybe you don't realize, maybe you detach a retina, where you can no longer see. So, if I have one eye that's good, one eye that's bad, I'm a liability, right? Danger yeah. to myself. That's wild. Huh. Yeah. I figure they just let you go. It's your it choice, depends right? on the state and the commission, but pretty common professional. It's it, it, you got to be twenty sixty uncorrected. So you're uh, you're doing the showdown meet, mm -hmm. and that's next weekend. Next weekend. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I assume you're going to try to break your existing record. Yeah. It, on, on a good day, I'll, I'll I'll break it on my second attempt. I hope. Okay. What I uh, shouldn't say hope. I'm going to break it on my second attempt. Yeah. I. I Based on how your last video looked, I, I think it's undeniable. You, know, you just yeah. have to show up and be in the right mindset. Yeah, it, fresh. I got to get my weight down a little bit yet and um, make sure I don't cut too hard. And, you know, my best meets were, were my, my lightest or no cuts. What are you, uh, what are you sitting at right now? Um, 330. And you got to get down to 308? I do. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. So I usually, uh, usually it's about five days of no carbs and then my recall. Okay. So, are you like kicking up your fats? Or are you going like keto? Or are you just like dropping everything, going high protein and like just hoping um, for the best? I used to always do high protein. This time I'll have more high fat. Okay. To yep. balance everything yep. out. It's a healthier way to do it. Okay. Do you have anybody helping you with that? You just, you've done it so many times. I've done it a lot, but my wife is, is very knowledgeable. Huh. So That's she's cool. helping. Yeah. She's going to smack your hand every time you eat something that you don't, that you shouldn't Not eat. necessarily. <laughs> maybe, maybe we won't get to that, but. <laughs> But she'll she'll measure out my stuff, make sure that I'm getting the calories I need to. That's cool. She's real you know, dedicated and attention to detail when it comes to nutrition. Yeah, so. I'm sure that helps put you on autopilot, so you don't have to think about it. There's no stress there. I've always found that like uh, people that cut weight, most people shouldn't. In your situation, I do believe in cutting weight because mm. you're going for something big. Yeah. Most people cut weight to to finish fourth at a local meet. Like, that never made sense to me. No sense. Um, you know, if you're not going for an all-time world record, if you're not going to win a national meet um, or to win a meet to qualify for something further, it never really made sense to, to, sure. to cut weight for me. Um, but, yeah, it's it's uh, the stress of it, I think, is bigger than the actual weight cut. You know, it's, it's all you can focus on when you're hungry. It's mm -hmm. all you can focus on is food, and you, you, you kind of wear yourself out. Uh, so it's just uh, – I have a difference of opinion. So, well, you're probably mentally built different. I am because of wrestling. So, like, yeah. it was like a pre, it was like um, your ritual to go out on battlefield and, and sacrifice your life for your good. Yeah. You know, so like, whether it was actually distracting yourself from the stress of the performance, it was like a ritual for wrestling that, you know, the week of I'm cutting weight or like the two days before I'm cutting weight and like that's all I focus on. I run, I don't eat, I, I ration my water, I make weight, and then we rehydrate and we go to, go to war. But, but you felt like a warrior when you do that, right? I, I, I related to that because now I'm older looking back, like it, it was that big a deal, right? I had that much – in high school, I had that much anxiety before I even knew, like, what the feeling was. But now a lot of people, when 
I guess they're not as competitive or maybe they're not ready to do that. They feel like victims to a weight cut. And that's a, it's just a weaker mind. It's a weaker mentality to have, you know, especially when you're choosing to put yourself through it. Yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough to get around. It's really trusting yourself in your, in your training, right, and knowing that I'm, when it comes down to I'm going to show up. But, yeah, a lot of people, it gets in their head. Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, had a lot of – I shouldn't say a lot, but I've had a couple clients where, like, even, like, too long of a deload for them or, like, a back off, you know, they, they would suffer. And that's always a, it's always a, not to get off the weight cut too much, but it's always like that fine line of like keeping an athlete, even themselves from like trying to prove themselves in the gym versus leaving it for the platform. Yeah. I, I learned that very young. I think it was an Ed Cohn video yeah. that I watch and he said he never set a PR in the gym. Mm. It was always on the platform. And uh, so, you know, I, with my training, I always followed suit. I mean, how would you not want to listen to the, the greatest of all time? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, that's a that's Well, a tough all the top guys, to... you know, whether it was, um, you know, back, you know, when I first started, you know, the only person I knew was Brandon Lynn. But even then, like, the coaching and the mentality was, you know, never go to failure. Shut it down when you have one left. Yeah. You know, even if you miss your, your set. Yeah. You know, come in better rested, come in, get stronger. You know, wait, you know, put, put, you know, serve your time, put your, you know, do time in and then come back. It's tough because people, you know, you have bodybuilding, which is, you know, you watch like John Meadows videos or any of them guys and they're like, go to failure, go to failure, go to failure. And then you have powerlifting and it's, it's the opposite because recovery is so important. And, uh, you know, the mental aspect of failing is to me is the most detrimental thing you can do Mm -hmm. because when you get back under that bar, what are you going to remember? You failed. Not that you, you, okay, I smoked, you know, let's say 500 pounds. I'm, I know I'm good for 515. It's, you know, I failed 515 and now I got to do it again. I don't know if I'm going to get it. Yeah. It, it's a completely different mindset when you start failing less in the gym. It is. But yeah. I, it's I, hard to overcome, right? Yeah. It, it's something that for the sake of gaining strength and incre- increasing your PRs, right? So you can increase your programming. It, it's detrimental yeah. to miss. Well, it, it's a, you know, we talked about Wengler's program earlier. Uh, when you run five three one, you run a percentage of your 90%, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I always thought that was interesting because it, it kept you from failing for like nine, 10 months. And even then it was like a maybe. And that, that's with like an amateur lifter. Uh, and, and it was smart in the implementation of that because mm-hmm. it, it took people out of their own way. Because uh, who wouldn't want to max out when you're just starting a program? You know, you, want, yeah. you constantly want to think about how strong you are. So... Uh, with the showdown meet next week, um, other than cutting weight, was there anything that changed outside of like normal training for you? Oh, everything. <laughs> what's a, what, so what's a, a meet prep look like? Oh, I'm sorry. In, in regards like positive things that change. <laughs> I, well, well, I hope there are a lot of positive well, things. Well, ironically, it just so, so happened that timing for everything kind of hit where I moved across the country during a pandemic. You know, I, I changed jobs. I moved in with my wife full time, which was which was new. We had never lived full time together. Oh, you know, so wow. I started my school, my son in a new school. Yeah, you know, um, my daughter's in a different state with her mom. So like, there, it's just a million little things that were different. Yeah, you know, for this prep. But as far as training, um, training went really well. I had a, a tweak to my adductor um, about halfway, th- or I guess week eight. Okay, you know, so that was a little bit of a setback. It was frustrating. Um, you know, whether it was overtraining or just lack of sleep or just age, you know, a couple of variables in there. Yeah. Um, but that seems to be feeling pretty good right now. So yeah. how'd you overcome that? I, you know, I just rested till it didn't hurt, you know, I, something I got from John or excuse me, Josh Bryant was, um, some occlusion training and 
I, I did some of that, you know, I did that from, so last year, I guess it was last year now, um, before going to the animal cage, I tore my other adductor bad enough where it bled out. This one didn't bleed out, but I did have a small pop. So I'm, I'm going to go with, I'm hoping it was some scar tissue. Okay. Yeah. So let's just, uh, walk through like a, a day in the, in the life of like a meat prep. Uh, so you're walking into squat, uh, you know, you're, let's say you're, you're starting out like 12 weeks out. Is that when you start a prep? Yeah, about that, about, uh, about thirteen to fourteen, depending on 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 the meat, and, and I guess where you're at in your normal training. Yep. Uh, so you're going into uh, meat prep. Uh, you're going into squat. What's that day look like? Uh, normal work day. You know, I have full time job. So, uh, but as far as like the training, you know, I make sure I get my three meals. You know, my first meal is upon waking if I can. You know, I have plenty of days where I don't, depending on like what's going on that day at work. Yeah. But um. Uh, you know, make sure I get my gallon of, of water in that day or my four liters, whatever you want to call it, uh, depending on, you know, again, you know, my life that day. But, you know, three to four meals, you know, plenty of hyd- hydration. And then, um, you know, it's pretty much normal business. What about when you step in the gym? Like, are you, uh, it, you know, obviously your goal this whole prep was to break the all time, your own record. Mm-hmm. Um so what's a what's a day look like? Are you walking in and just squatting? Are you walking in and squatting and doing you know accessory work? Like what's it look like? Oh, I'm walking in. You know, 500 milligrams of caffeine, bare min. I don't step in the gym without it, um, and I don't take off. So that's what I, how I roll. Uh, I usually in the early parts of the prep, I'll, I'll run creatine and stuff, blah blah blah, whatever. Uh, but my warm up is usually about 10 minutes to or so of a walk okay. or bike. Uh, it's been walk because I was at home gym. You know, then I do uh, some dynamic stretches. Like I'll do like um, butt kicks with a hold, knee highs with a with a hold, and then high kicks. Okay. And about fifty paces each leg, ish. Okay. You know, fifty feet probably, not paces. So you're doing some athlete training, mm-hmm. uh, and then you're coming in, you're squatting, you're gonna work up. No, to... then I do uh, my three by fifty pull downs. I do my three so sets. Doing of that planks. on squat day too. Oh yeah. Okay. Three by you know three sets of plank. You know, thirty to thirty seconds to a minute. Uh, sometimes I do front only, sometimes I'll do front side, both sides. Um, sometimes I'll add side bends, you know, with a heavy dumbbell. So engage my core. So you don't feel like that wears you out at all? No, I'm not going to do it on, on meat day. I'm going to do everything but some of the the harder stuff. I'll still plank on meat day. Yeah. So it's, it's whether it's priming the, 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 the core or you want to call it potentiation, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's the difference, and it's it's hard to get a guy to do it because of what you just said. Do you think it takes away from your main movements? Um, but once you get it to click one time for somebody, and they realize like, oh, you know that bar, that thirty percent. So that's another thing. I start at thirty percent, thirty to forty percent is my first set. I don't I don't play it up. I do play it up, but I mean I start at thirty percent, so I th- start around three builds. So you're not starting with the bar? No. Because you're already warmed up. Well, right. I do. So after my planks, I do a third world country squat for about 30 seconds, a okay. couple of rounds of that. And that's, um, it's not just standing out on my toes or four foot. It's trying to feel my heels mm-hmm. where I'm about falling over and trying to keep a neutral spine or, or, you know, a locked in lumbar. Are you focusing on your breathing when you're doing that to relax a little bit and let things now? Uh, no, I'm more start trying to stay tight. Okay. I'm more of a, in a brace position now there. I think that, do you do that in the off season too? That mm-hmm. same warm up? Mm-hmm. I think that's probably brings us back to that original question on why your back is so strong in those positions. Yeah. And I think it's because you, it, it doesn't have a choice. Yeah. Right. Because you're exhausting it. You're activating it in the beginning. And then when you go to squat, you're not going to squat to the point where your back's failing. 
So it's only going to continue to get stronger when you well, do Well, I've right? done that too. Yeah? Yeah. We just don't put those videos on Instagram. No, I, I do. <laughs> They're just not from side. You know, yeah. I, I, I think I took like four something for trying to hit 20. You know, I, I've done 505 for 20 before. You know, Have I've, you? I've done stuff like that, you know. Yeah. In the early part of the training, I'll, I'll play around a little bit, but. You know, eights are hard for me. I'm not a rep guy. I really have to work on reps. Yeah. I can do singles a lot, you know. And once you, you hit a guy. level of strength, I think um, you could argue that the recovery needed for the, the high frequency is almost detrimental to the one rep. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that. All right, so me prep, warm up. You're doing all the different uh, dynamic stuff. Uh, you're going into squat. You know, do you have a, a top number in mind? Do you have a rep scheme in mind? Like, oh, yeah, it's all work? mapped out. It's all previous. Yeah, it's all mapped out. Are you working? I started week week one. I'm I'm um, I think forty eight percent, and I I roughly, roughly is about five to six percent per week. Okay, so are you going in and hitting one set? Or are you doing straight sets? How's I start I start at tens for two weeks, eights for two weeks. I usually drop down to sixes to fours. So you're doing multiple sets of that weight. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the hardest thing too. When I first started, before following a program or writing any programs or working with anyone that's in the that was good mm-hmm. or is you know well known and good, um, doing multiple top sets is it'll separate the boys. The first one's always the easiest. Uh, I've had no. That's that's the biggest indicator of proper warm up. So if your first one's the easiest, you got a good warm up. If the second one's harder. Um, you know, that's a conditioning and something like that. But I find more times, even with my warm up, I'll hit the second one sometimes better. Yeah. You know, um, it just depends on how deep you are in the program and how heavy the weight is too. Right. Yeah. You know, it, not to digress too much into something else, but like, um, pain, you know, and like discomfort. And like you hear a lot of guys like, does it hurt your knees? You know, my wrist hurt, my ankles hurt. At some point things get heavy enough where, um, it's, it's going to hurt. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. There's no way to warm up your wrist enough where it's not going to hurt under eight bills. Yeah. You know, and this training, I probably, I did less um, uh, gear or um, assistance than I've ever had because I was so much more healthy through mm-hmm. this prep it, as far as diet that, uh, you know, I could get away with not wrapping my elbows on every heavy set or not wrapping my wrist on every heavy set, you know. Yeah. That's a good point. And that's, uh, that definitely is a difference maker on people that can handle you know, the amount of pain that, that you go through. Yeah. Uh, I remember, um, you know, one of my, my last meat preps, uh, I hurt my hip. It was this past year. I hurt my hip about two weeks in and I was deadlifting and it, it I actually felt it separate and I was like, Oh, this is terrible. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm like, I'll be okay. Like the, the inflammation felt like it went away right away. And I went to go deadlift again and there was just no chance. And, uh, you know, that took me like three or four, weeks to recover from and I already told my friends like I'm not doing the meat and uh and then you know two weeks three weeks went by I was like all right I feel all right you know got in some squats I'm like all right I can pick this back up I got eight weeks I can do it you know another two weeks went by and I hurt my hip again same same injury on squats and uh you know then you you say the same thing you know I'm done I'm done I end up doing the meat anyways um just dealt with it Right. Like there's just a certain point, like if I know it's not going to hurt me further and I know that this is the injury that I'm working with, you know, I just got myself to a point where I could handle it. And then, uh, you know, on my second squat, I got it. It it popped again. I had to call my third, but I was still able to finish the meet and, uh, you know, it didn't kill me. Yeah. We're still here. So, yeah, I I think pain management's uh, an important part of it for sure. Do you have any kids? Yeah. No. No. Or you're getting married, you said. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, that doesn't mean I don't have any kids, but no, I don't. So uh, I always hear people talk about kids are this or kids are that, and, you know, they always uh, debate or maybe you never heard these conversations, but I've heard them a lot, you know, about being the right time to have a child or start a family, blah, blah, blah. Well, like, um, you always hear about athletes, you know, putting online, well, this ace that ace, or, you know, I have this and I'm not sure if I'm going to do the meet, you know, I don't know if I've had a meet that went in perfect, you know, and maybe you can argue like a million different things. Well, you didn't, you overtrained or you didn't recover or you, you know, you did something wrong. You know, the time I, I broke my world record or, or actually set the world record for the first time, um, or broke Eric Lilly Ridge. I already had a record before that, but when I took the current one, that prep, I had, uh, played around, started off with some sumo to just kind of, you know, build up some glutes and just kind of take a break from conventional da, 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 da. Yeah. And I was trying to find like a three rep, three rep max. I think I tripled or doubled 675, but I felt something on my oblique let go or like my lumbar oblique. It could have been a different couple different areas back there, yeah. but I felt something separate and kind of like burn. And it, from that point on, the rest of the prep, it hurt to put a, break, a belt on. Yeah. So I dropped the belt. I ended up not squatting for a couple of weeks, but then I ended up squatting like twice I worked up to a beltless 820, and it was my best meet. Do you think something like that, it brings up your attention to detail, and it puts you more in like a fight-or-flight mode, right? Like you you have, to, you have to be so focused. You have to be so into it to make sure that everything's perfect so that way you're not making it worse and you can you know, still compete at a high level. Like it, it, I feel like it's a test of like mental will. Yeah, absolutely. Mental will um, – you know, fight or flight, uh, it's funny, I, I can come back and talk to fight or flight for a little bit because everybody will call bullshit or, or hate me, one of the two. But, you know, um, I think uh, I keep going back to Dan Green. Dan Green, you know, in, in just small talk before, he's like, you know, I always use injuries to kind of perfect and reset my form. The thing about it, yeah, attention to detail, what better time? You know, I can't push the weight. I can't have all the fun I like to have, you know, and test myself or really kind of reach a new PR, but I can perfect this. I can get better. I think yeah. we should make a drinking game out of this podcast and say, uh, it's funny you say that because I'm saying it again. Um, but when I hurt my hip, I realized that my feet in both the squat and the deadlift were not in the right position for me. And uh, so I ended up moving my feet on my deadlift. And, you know, for the first time ever, I was able to pull uh, like six or seven plates. And, uh, you know, everything just clicked. And, it, you know, I never, ever would have put my feet there because uh, to me it didn't make sense. But it felt awesome and uh if i didn't hurt my hip to figure that out i never would have figured it out sure right so because exactly with what yeah. you're saying yeah so all right so we got a few sets of squats what are you doing after that in meat prep it depends on what block i'm in uh the first block it's all stiff leg okay deads afterwards building up your hamstrings yeah because my hamstrings my posterior chain in my mind are weak you know i could i can always improve um uh, after that well i take that back i always pause Okay. If I can, if I can handle as far as recovery and I feel good enough, I always high bar, either high bar or low bar, depending on what block. So you'll squat regular, and then you're gonna high bar pause afterwards. Correct. Okay. And I, that's straight from Dan Green's program. Yeah. Um, and there's also um, something I do where, like, I use it for deadlift, but there's also like a recovery th- thought or a primer thought mm-hmm. for squats. So like two days before, two days after, one of the two. And something he he opened my eyes to is before shoulders, I or after shoulders, I always front squatted with his program so it's something I, I play with every once in a while where two days after my squat i'll do shoulders and i'll front squat 
you're sore as hell and it's a good recovery and it's also some maximal movement. Right. Right. So it's just perfect for recovery. Okay. Yeah. And so I would pause. I would do stiff legs um, for the first block. The second block, I dropped off a little bit because of that, that tweak. Yeah. Um, uh, but I always still tried to pause. You know, in the if the pause didn't feel good, I wouldn't. And then either second block or third block, sometimes I'll mix in some tempos. Or I call them cadence. Yeah. Cadence squat. Just no lockouts type thing? Mm-mm. That's a piston squat or, or tempo. Okay. I would do cadence where I do like a count. Okay. A count negative, count positives. Is that what you're – so that's what you finish with? After my, my work. Oh, so you're still in the same day. I always do a working set, same day. So All right, so you're going to go in, you're going to do straight sets of squats – then you're going to do RDLs or? I do straight squats, pauses, and RDLs, and that's pretty much my day. Okay. And then in the blocks, as you go closer to the meet, that's so when every you start four, working So every four weeks is a block. Yeah. And then my second block, I would change it up. Okay. And I would either do, you know, I would do a pause, whether it was high bar or low bar, I might switch it, or I would do cadence or something of that nature. Okay. And as you get closer to meet, uh, you're starting to pull out some of the accessory stuff because you're... My reps are dropping. My, my tonnage is dropping. Yeah. Uh, all that's dropping. I'm more in just intensity. Okay. So that, you know, you're putting more focus on that, that top set, those top sets. Yeah. You know, whether it's plural or single. I'm still doing, you know, you know, three sets or it doesn't count. It's an interesting perspective. <laughs> I like it. Um, cool. Well, Rob, thanks for coming today. Yeah. Uh, you already have, I think, like 100,000 followers, right? Uh, yeah, something like that. You're super famous. Uh, <laughs> you know, I get that shit all the time. I'm just like, I had it at work. I started a new job. We're like, hey, so why don't you tell us you're famous? I'm like, God damn. Fucking <laughs> Instagram. Yeah. Is uh, If people want to follow you, we're going to put your handle in the video. Oh, I appreciate uh, it. If people want to follow you, Instagram's the best. Are you doing YouTube yeah, or any yeah, of that stuff? I, you know, I, I haven't started YouTube. You know, uh, but, you know, Quads Like Rob, Instagram. I also QuadsLikeRob.com. Okay, so you have a website? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did mention you're doing, like, training and stuff, too. Yeah, so I, I, if, I have training and some stuff on there. Okay, so if people might want to hire you for technique stuff, for programming yeah, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, only or coaching. You know, cool. I don't run a lot of clients, so usually the attention is pretty close. And, I, you know, I, I make it where it's manageable for both athlete and coach. Cool. All right, guys, give Rob a follow. Uh, thanks for following us. Please hit subscribe at the bottom and uh, check out the other videos we have.